course, for Americans, today is a, a day of significance in our history. And we can't help but come to September 11th every year and not remember what happened that day. A couple of other things before we get into the message this morning. Uh, we have a very unique, never done before, a weekend coming up, the 24th and 25th of September. We have invited Pastor Miguel Olachea back from Mexicali to speak to us that weekend on strengthening the family. And so Saturday morning, we're having a, a men's and women's uh, thing over at Tumbleweed Park. And we wanted to have just something that weekend just for the men and something for the women. Uh, there is going to be breakfast provided that Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. It's from 9 to 11. But we need you to sign up if you're coming so that we know how much food to prepare. So gals, if you would sign up at the women's table, and guys, if you would sign up at the men's table for that Saturday morning, the 24th, I think you will enjoy the morning. It's going to be a time of not only great food, but great fellowship, but also just some encouragement for the guys from Pastor Olachea and myself, and for the gals from my wife Lisa, and from Pastor Olachea's wife Carmen. Uh, so we uh, hope that you can make it. Now, I know that many of you have already asked about child care. We originally was not going to offer child care for Saturday morning, just for Saturday night and for Sunday morning, obviously, as we normally do. But through Pastor Chad and our gals in the youth group, many of them have stepped up and said, look, if there's a family in our church, now this is just for anybody, this is for families in our church, if the, if the husband and wife would like to come uh, that the gals have said that they will volunteer to babysit that morning for those couple hours. Uh, but you have to work out those details with the gals in the youth group. So if you'd like to do that, please go and see Marsha, and, and they will put you in contact with the gals who are offering their services that morning. We really appreciate the gals of our youth group doing that so that more families, more husbands and wives can come out for that. But now speaking of uh, child care, because this is an extra service that weekend on Saturday night, I'm asking, would you, some of you be willing to help Crystal out on Saturday night, the 24th, we're having the service here uh, to help her out in the children's area. We also need, obviously, more help on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. So any of you that could give Crystal a Saturday night or a Sunday morning that weekend would really greatly help because we're expecting a lot of visitors because we're advertising this. There, we feel like there's going to be a pretty good crowd, especially of visitors. And so uh, if you could help us out that weekend, we, we would love that. A um, couple other things. It's, it's good to see all of you here this morning. But it's especially good to see Bonnie here this morning. Bonnie, it's good to have you here. Yes. She has been battling uh, uh, a long time, this illness, and it's just good to have her back out this morning. Um, Wednesday's message is going to be why the local church is so important. A lot of Christians don't believe that the local church is important. So we're going to touch on that out of our study of 1 Timothy 
uh, on Wednesday night. And then one more thing. Most of the time when I'm preparing a message, I usually don't get impressed by God that this message is for someone particular that's going to be in attendance today. But I did get that very strong impression from the Lord as I was preparing for this message for this particular Sunday, that God was going to have someone here today that more than maybe anyone else really needed to hear this message. And so I just want you to know even more than normal, I have been, I guess, burdened uh, having this message weigh on me and weigh over me because of the responsibility that I carry today to deliver this in such a way that whoever is here to hear this from God, that it will be something that, that you can hear clearly, accurately, and, and it will change maybe your life uh, by hearing God's revelation this morning. So if you'll turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we want to look at the first 10 verses of this chapter this morning. And I guess if I had to even put a title to this passage of Scripture, it would be, Oh, the possibilities. The possibilities and how they come about. I want to begin, actually, in verse 10. And it's going to be a verse that we look at a little bit more in depth next week. So don't think that I'm exhausting verse 10. But I do want to start there this morning and then sort of work backwards a little bit. For we are told by Paul in Ephesians 2.10 that we as believers in Jesus Christ are God's workmanship. If you are here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you and I need to realize that we are God's ongoing work, if you will, that that when he brings us to that place where we place our trust and faith in him as our personal savior, that's not the end. That's just the beginning of his work, because God then wants to spend the rest of our earthly lives working in and working through us. And very interestingly, too, this word in the Greek language for for workmanship is the word poema. It's where we get our English word poem from or song. It's like God is saying, you realize that with your life and my life, I am, I'm writing a poem. I'm writing a song. I'm writing a a masterpiece with your life. You are God's ongoing masterpiece as he continues to create Christ Jesus in us. Well, with that revelation of truth, If, as a Christian, I am God's workmanship, that he continually wants to work in me and through me, then what does Paul have to say before that that is so significant leading up to that point? Well, sometimes in our lives as God's workmanship, on our side, not on God's side, but on our side, we limit God's workmanship in our lives. 
We don't allow at times God to do in and through us what he wants to all the time and what he knows he could bring about because we limit God and we limit the possibilities. So if that's where you are today or have been in some point in your life, this message is for you. It's also for those of us as Christians who sometimes in this process of being God's workmanship, we just get stuck. We sort of get stuck in the process. There, there is something in our lives or something that we're dealing with that we just can't seem to get past and keep on sort of moving on and making progress. There's something that, that has got us sort of stuck in the mud. And this message is for those of us there as well. This message is also for those of us who maybe we keep making the same mistake and just sort of circling back around and never again seem to be able to just keep on moving. We're always having to come back and deal with the same thing over and over again. And this message is even for maybe someone here today that has never accepted Christ as their Savior. Because when, what Paul reveals in this passage, to me, is just so amazing. Of what he reveals to us about our God and the character of our God, that it may move someone here today to that point where they finally say, Yes to Jesus. No matter what their past has been like. Because what Paul lays out for us, first of all then, in the first three verses of this chapter, are these three things. And we're going to look at them a little bit. He says, first of all, you realize before you came to Christ, all of us who are Christians now, that we were, from God's perspective, spiritual corpses. Notice he says in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And although you were dead in your transgressions and sins, we were destitute of spiritual life. There was no spiritual life in us before Christ. And because we were dead, we were powerless to do anything about it. There was nothing that you and I could do to bring spiritual life into our lives. From God's perspective, He wants us to know that before Jesus Christ came into our life, we were dead in transgressions and sins. Spiritually lifeless. Totally unable to help ourselves. And then he goes on to tell us, not only were we spiritual corpses, but because we did not have the power of God residing in us, we were totally being controlled by outside forces that we really had no power to be able to, to battle or, or to overcome, because in our own human nature, you can't. That's why he goes on to say in verse 2, not only were we dead in our transgressions and sins in which you formerly lived, according to this world's present path. We were under the control of the philosophy, if you will, and the pathway of this world. 
We just went along with what everybody else did because we didn't know any better. The light had not come on yet. We just thought, well, that's what everybody else in the world, that's how they think. That, that, that's, that's me. I'm part of the human race too, right? So there we go. No ability to be able to sort of look outside of everything and get another perspective sort of from higher up. All of us before Christ were sort of stuck on the ground, if you will. It was only when we gave our heart to Christ that God then, as we're going to see here, lifted us up like you would be in an airplane to where you could see life and everything that was happening on earth from a totally different perspective. Before Christ, you and I are stuck on the ground. The only perspective we have is that perspective. And then he goes on to say, we were not only controlled by the world's philosophy, we were controlled, whether we realize it or not, by the invisible influence of Satan and the demonic world. Notice he says, we also lived according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the ruler of the spirit that is now even energizing the sons of disobedience, among whom all of us formerly lived out our lives. Whether you realize it or not today, if you've never given your heart to Christ, you are being controlled by the worldly philosophy around you and you're being controlled by invisible influences of a demonic and yet very real world that is trying to influence your thinking and your actions and your attitudes at all times. And see, what Paul's saying is, before Christ comes in, we don't have the capacity to be able to fight against that with just our human nature. And then he says, not only were we controlled by the world and by the devil, we were controlled by our own fallen human flesh. He says, according to also the cravings of the flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest still are. And there Paul tells us that not only were we spiritual corpses before we came to Christ, not only were we spiritually controlled by outside forces that we had no power to overcome on our own, but we stood spiritually condemned before God. We were children of wrath. We were, we were headed for a, an eternity apart from God. And we had, again, no capacity to be able to fight against the forces that were, in a sense, fighting us. That's the condition of any human being without Christ. No wonder then there are so many hopeless, discouraged people today in the world. So many people who live in despair because they're dealing with these forces every day and they do not have the capacity apart from Christ to be able to overcome it, to deal with it, to navigate it. The forces of the world, the forces of the demonic world, and the forces of their own flesh get the best of them all the time and literally wear them out and weigh them down. Now, if that's where Paul left it, not a good story. But I don't want you to miss, to me, the two most important words in the entire passage, which comes next in verse 4. 
but God. See, that, that's, that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, this is where we were. But then Paul says, but God. When God comes into the picture of our life, everything can change. When God is invited in, things can be different. When God is interjected into the equation, the math can be different. When God comes into a situation, it can look different. It can be different. Here's why. Because God said through the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. There is indeed nothing too hard or difficult for me. And Jesus, even when he was here on earth, said, With mere humans, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Oh, the possibilities when God becomes involved. When God is invited in. When we're not out there left to ourselves, but now God becomes part of it all. That's true for our individual lives. That's something God wants us to know as a church. He doesn't ever want us to limit the possibilities of what our lives can be and what the life of this church can be without taking Him into the equation. But God. And for any of you that might be stuck right now in your Christian life, maybe it's because up to this point, where's God been in the whole thing? Because see, with God, there's nothing too hard or difficult. There's nothing he can't get us unstuck from and get us going again. There's nothing that God can't get that circle that just keeps going around doing the same thing. That he can't change that. If we truly believe that with us things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. But God, Paul says. And then Paul gets specific. He wants to inform every believer in Jesus Christ just what God did when God got involved. I want to skip verse 4 for a moment. We'll come back there. But I want us to go to verse 5. Where Paul informs us that even though we were dead in transgressions, even though we were spiritually lifeless, destitute of spiritual life at all, He made us alive together with Christ. Literally what Paul is saying is you realize that you and I, if we are Christian, we have all experienced a spiritual resurrection. He raised a dead man or a dead woman from the grave. Which goes along with what Stephen talked about last week as far as miracles go. Do you realize that every Christian who's alive and ever been alive is a walking miracle? God took us who were dead in our transgressions and sins and he made us alive. He resurrected 
and brought spiritual life into dead people? I thought of that movie this week as I was preparing. I see dead people. (laughs) Guess what? That's who we were before Christ. We were dead people. Dead in our transgressions and sins. And yet Paul says, "But, but, but God, but God made us alive. He resurrected us. So if you ever doubt that God still does miracles, then I guess you doubt salvation. Because every one of us who are saved is a walking miracle every day of what God can do. When God gets involved and becomes part of the equation. He doesn't leave it there. Then he goes on to say, after he made us alive. Oh, and by grace you're saved. And we're going to come back to that. Then he says, oh, he not only resurrected us. Then he elevated us. He raised us up. With him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Now think about what Paul's saying. Because this is important about the possibilities with God. Paul's saying to the church, to the Christians at Ephesus. And he's saying to the church here at the Oasis today. God took us when we were absolutely dead. We, We couldn't get any lower. We couldn't be any further away from God. And God took us through Christ and not only gave us life, but then took us from the lowest of low to the highest of highs. And positionally, when you and I accepted Christ, God literally elevated us to sit with Christ where the angels and God dwells. Now, I know for some of you that be like, uh, wow, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. It's okay. I have a hard time too. But I want us to see today, this is the truth. This is the reality of what God has done when God was allowed to get involved in someone's life. When we, in a sense, gave God permission to take over our lives and to save us and deliver us and rescue us from these forces that we could not overcome on our own. And we cried out to God and we said, God, save me. Be merciful to me. Because I'm dead without you. And God says, I'll make you alive. And I'll not only bring life into your your life, I will elevate you and allow you to sit with my son in heavenly places. Why I say that this message is so important is because some of us, even as Christians, after we accept Christ as our Savior, we limit the possibilities of our life with God. Oh, I, that could never happen or... God could never do that through or in me or all that. You know, that self-talk that's yucky. Or we get stuck at times in this process. Sort of like stuck in the mud or even maybe even the quicksand where we feel like something is swallowing us up and we can't get out of it. What Paul's trying to do here is he's saying to encourage you in the present Of wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with now, I need to take you back to where it all began. 
Because every once in a while, we need to go back to where it all began and remind ourselves, this is what God did when we accepted Christ as our Savior. And if God did that back then, then what is preventing God from doing the same thing now? That's why Paul's sharing this with us. He's saying, you, you realize that you're, you're now a child of God. You're his workmanship. So wherever you are in your life, even if you've drifted really far away from God, you're still not as far down as you were when God saved us the very first time. He still has much more to work with now than he did when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. He doesn't have to resurrect a dead body. At this point, he just has to reanimate, if you will, and restore and refresh the one that he's already made alive together with Christ. And you'll notice again a phrase that Paul uses in verse 5 of chapter 2 of Ephesians that's very important. And it's that idea that we are so identified with Christ that when we become Christians, we are totally joined and glued together so that we are with him. And notice that phrase in verse 5. Even though you were dead in transgressions, he made us alive together. Notice, with Christ, by grace you are saved. And he raised us up, don't miss it, with him. And then seated us with him in the heavenly realms. With him, with him, with him. That's why all things are possible. Because we're with Christ now. And if we believe that He is the Lord, and that indeed there is nothing too hard or difficult for Him, then wherever we find ourselves now, take encouragement that God has brought us way further than what we're dealing with now already. And if God did that back then when we became a Christian, what are the possibilities for what God can do now that I am one of His children and I am His workmanship? And then I want to get to the next side of this this morning. And that is that sometimes as Christians, we go, well, but you don't understand. I have floundered so much. I've made so many mistakes. I've failed God so much as a Christian that I don't even think about the possibilities anymore. Because how could God do anything with my life after I just keep failing Him over and over and over again? Well, guess what? Paul has an answer for us here today as well. Because notice what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, abounding in compassion, is what Paul says. Our God always abounds in compassion towards us. And Paul goes on to say, because of his great love. Did you know that the Bible teaches that there's different levels of love? It's true. That's why the Greeks had many different words for love. Because there's sort of different levels of love. 
And what Paul is reminding us of is that God doesn't just love us. God has a great love for us. It's a strong, intense, fervent, passionate, deep love he has for us. And many times as Christians, we go, oh, I know God's merciful to me. I know God loves me, but don't miss the next thing Paul says here. Please don't miss what he says in verse 4. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5, even though we were dead in transgressions. Did you get that? Paul's saying, listen, God didn't start being merciful and compassionate towards us when we got our act together. He didn't have this great, fervent, intense, deep love for us when we were getting our act together. No, it was when we were at our worst. It was when we were at our lowest in life. It was when we were without Christ and we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And we were a spiritual corpse and we were spiritually controlled and we were spiritually condemned. Paul says, that's when God loved us. And the idea is, if he loved us then... Do you think then he doesn't love you or is merciful to you now? Again, he's arguing in a sense from the greater to the less. If God loved you then and me then, at that point in our lives, then Paul's saying, you, you can't get in a worse condition than that. You can't be further away from God than that. You can't be lower than that. And so there should never be that thinking in our lives as Christians that I've made too many mistakes. I've failed God too much. I, I've, I've uh, you know, just floundered and squandered all these opportunities. So what would God do with me now? Listen, if God loved us then... God loves you just as much now. Oh, the possibilities when you just bring God back into the equation. That's why Paul says over and over again in this passage then from verse 5 on down about not only God's mercy and God's love, but God's grace. He says, by God's grace we're saved. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. So some even Christians, they say, I, I don't deserve God's help. I don't deserve second or million chances that God's given me. We never did. You understand that, right? We never did deserve anything we got. None of us. God did all that he did for us in Christ by his grace. And if God made us alive together with Christ and seated us in the heavens with Christ and did all of this and we didn't deserve it, then why do you think you've got to get to a point where you deserve God's help now? That you earn it, that you merit it. No. By the way, the word saved means to be delivered and rescued as well. That's a very accurate translation of the Greek word. And some of us, even after that initial salvation, we still need delivered. 
We still need rescued. We still need to reach up and take Jesus' hand and let him pull us out of that quicksand and pull us out of that mud that we're stuck in and get us going again. But what we have to remember as Christians is those two words, but God. But God. If you remember nothing else from this passage of Scripture today, remember those two words in the days ahead. This is what reality was, but then God changed it all. God made the difference because with God, all things are possible. Notice he goes on in verse 7 to say he did all this to demonstrate in the coming even ages of eternity the surpassing wealth of his grace. This abundance of undeserved favor and kindness that God has poured out on us. Notice again, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved. If you're here this morning, or at some point you will listen to this message on podcast. And as a Christian, you're saying to yourself, I don't deserve the possibilities. I I don't deserve another opportunity. I I don't deserve God's help. I don't deserve God's support. I don't deserve God delivering me and rescuing me. Then you don't understand grace. You, You just really don't understand grace. Because over and over again, Paul says... Everything that we've ever got from God, we didn't deserve. Everything. There is no deserving it and earning it. That's why any kind of religion that promotes somehow being able to get to God through my good works, by what I can do in any way, is an abomination before God. It literally is like slapping God in the face because it's like saying, God, I don't care what you've done out of grace. I still want to take credit for something instead of giving you all the glory for it. That's why Paul goes on to make sure that we realize in verse 8, for by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, even the faith It's a gift from God. Do you realize that? That's what faith is. Faith is a gift. That's why it's a little bit different than believing. Belief and faith are different in that respect. You see, even the opportunity to respond to God after God reveals himself, that's a gift. That's what faith is. Faith is the ability and the opportunity to be able to respond to the revelation that God is giving us. And that's why then Paul says, for by grace you are saved through faith. Yes, God calls upon us and expects a response from us as human beings. Every time he reveals himself to us. Every time. Now, obviously, that response can take on different Forms and and manner and, and method. But the idea is, I as a human being should always be continually responding 
to God revealing more of himself to me. So the question is today, what does that mean for each of us here this morning? How will we in faith respond to what we've just been reminded of from the Word of God? Oh, the possibilities when God is brought in. How God makes all the difference in the world. Without God, Paul says, look at where we were. But with God, look at where we are. And if God did all that, when we didn't deserve it, when we were at our lowest, at the bottom, as low as any human being could be, because no one can be lower than dead in transgressions and sins. Paul's saying then, why not begin to think about the possibilities in your life now as his workmanship? Why not begin to think about, I don't have to stay stuck. I don't have to keep circling back around over and over again. I don't have to limit what God could or wants to do in my life as his ongoing masterpiece. Because with God, nothing is impossible. With God, all things are possible. The next time you may find yourself in a conversation with yourself, which I do, I think it's still okay. (laughs) Though some people in the mental health area might think not. I, I think it's okay to talk to yourself. Or you're in a conversation with someone else. And you start off on that conversation and, you, and you, you say something like, well, this is just the way it is. Or this is just the way I am. Or this is just the way it's going to be. Let me encourage you with something. The, the next time you start to hear those kind of thoughts or words or even thoughts from others along those lines, pause for just a moment and go, but where's God in that? Has God been left out of that thought process? That's what Paul wants to get us to think about. This is what is without God, but with God, things can look a whole lot different. If we're just willing by faith to respond to God, And say, you know what, God? You're right. It's been impossible with me, but with you, it's possible. I do believe that you are the Lord, and indeed, nothing is too hard or difficult for you. For me, yeah. For you, no. And according to the Word of God, I'm with you. So if I'm with you, that means that goes for me too. Let's stand. And close in prayer.
as our worship team is coming. Let's just pause for a moment and just be still before the Lord God. God, I... As I was reading this passage and studying it, I couldn't help but think of the heart of Paul as he wrote these words to his fellow believers in Ephesus. He so wanted them to see the possibilities for their church and for their lives by truly believing the difference God can make when God comes in to a life, to a situation. But God. And Lord, I believe today that you had somebody here today that you specifically wanted them to hear this. Maybe they have even gotten to a place in their life where they don't think, even as a Christian, that you love them anymore, that you care about them, that you have any kinds of compassion towards them, that they have so failed, they've so messed up, their life is a mess, that they don't even want to turn to you anymore. God, I pray today that they would realize the great love you have for them. You don't just love us. You greatly love us. And it pains you to see your own children limit what could be in their lives. To stay in a position that they don't have to stay if they would just turn to you. God, I pray today that someone here would open up their lives to you like never before. And yet, and let you, the God of all possibilities, the God that nothing is too hard or difficult for, come in and make the situation different from this day forward. But God, you made the difference for all of us. And it's only by your great grace and mercy and love that any of us are able to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Encourage your people today that wherever we find ourselves today, can be different by just reminding ourselves of where we came from and where you've brought us from. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.